Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Back when God's Bible School and College, located in Cincinnati, Ohio, held an annual camp meeting, no evangelist even came close to serving at as many camps as Dr. Wingrove Taylor. This sermon is taken from the 1977 camp, and it's titled, The Savior's Sanctified Society. I know you're going to enjoy this wonderful sermon. I wish it were not necessary for a sermon to be preached tonight. I wish that we could have such honesty and hunger and concern for God and such a consciousness that what America needs and what the world needs is an old-fashioned revival and returning to God that we might all find ourselves on our faces crying out to God for his outpouring, that he would redeem us from the awful rot and drift of the age and save our generation from tragedy and ruin. But somehow in a very earnest and passionate way, with trembling of heart and burden of soul, I trust that some words spoken tonight will create such a hunger in our hearts, that somehow none of us will be able to escape the concern of the Holy Spirit and the concern of God. would like to refer you to a very familiar passage of scripture found in St. John's Gospel, chapter 10, it is a beautiful chapter. and really goes down to the 29th verse or the 30th verse but I believe that we shall refresh our minds by reading the first 16 verses St. John's Gospel chapter 10 verses 1 to 16 Verily, verily, I say unto you, said Jesus he that entereth not 
by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the port, porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the, sh and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf cometh, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Our Heavenly Father, in ourselves we are totally incapable of proclaiming thy word. We pray thee that thou wouldst give us the undergirding of the Holy Spirit, that thou wouldst touch both lip and ear, both heart and mind, and glorify thyself. Lord, help each one of us, every one of us in this place tonight, to recognize thy voice, to recognize the seriousness of thy word. Hear us, Lord. Hear us, we pray. We shall give thee the praise and the glory. Amen. I am told that in the 16th verse of this 10th chapter of St. John's Gospel, that the original is not so much one fold and one shepherd, but rather one flock and one shepherd. So that the concern here is not so much for ecumenism and the struggles of people to bring all religions, Christian and non-Christian, under one great roof to fulfill uh, what appears to be the word of God. Not one flock so much, not one fold so much as one flock. And my friends, whatever the name of your denomination, whatever the name of your grouping, if you do not belong to the flock of Jesus Christ, you don't belong. 
For after all is said and done, there is only one flock and one shepherd. And I want to share with you tonight on the matter of the Savior's sanctified society. One flock and one shepherd. We make so much, you know, of our divisions. But my friends, the only, the only true church is his church. And more than ever tonight, my heart cries out that I be sure that I am a member of his society. Let me suggest tonight, my friends, that in the Savior's sanctified society, that the members of this society are good sheep, are good sheep. For if he is the good shepherd, and if he is the only shepherd, and if there is only one flock, if he is the good shepherd, then the sheep of his flock must be good sheep. Can't be any other kind. Good sheep. And certainly, my friends, you realize that good sheep are distinguished by the fact of their finding. They are sheep that have been found by the shepherd. And since the shepherd comes in only at the door, and since the shepherd is the door, the sheep of his finding are not thieves and robbers who have come by some other way. If the shepherd finds you, you can be sure that he has brought you through the only door into the only flock, the flock of Jesus Christ. I wonder if in this congregation tonight there are honestly some people who are not of the shepherd's finding. Maybe they have been found by a pastor. Maybe they have been found by some energetic Christian workers. Maybe they have been found by some parental concern. Maybe they have been found in that kind of way, but they have never been found of the shepherd. Do you know that sometimes in the church we don't have sheep, but we have thieves and robbers? People who have come in by some other way. They have come in by the way of baptism. They have come in by the way of confirmation or reception. They have come in by the way of some church rite. But all the people in a church are not necessarily the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ. I suppose that some of you have the unfortunate testimony like I had, or that is like mine, that I was in the church before I was of the church. And there was a certain amount of concern. I was the last in my family to become a Christian, and my mother was concerned, and she spoke to me about the fact that wasn't it time for me to be uh, taking my stand with the people of God, and I never did want to grieve my mother. And I felt it was time to regulate some of my life and make some changes. But you know, I wanted some compromises to be a Christian. 
And I went into the church and I was baptized and I taught Sunday school class and I sang in the choir and I was active in young people's society and all of that, but I didn't come into the door. I wasn't at that time a sheep of the shepherd's finding. Do you remember when the shepherd found you? Do you remember coming in by the door, the only door, the door, Jesus Christ? And it wasn't because your father was a Christian or your father was a minister or your mother was religious. It wasn't that at all. But in your own heart of hearts, you have come to know Jesus Christ as your wonderful Savior and Lord. I'm so glad that the time arrived when the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the fact that I was walking down the middle aisle of my church into an eternity without God and without hope. One rainy Friday night, I made my way to an altar of prayer. In fact, they didn't have to make an invitation. They didn't have to plead and beg and, and coax and uh, uh, entreat. I was hungry for the Lord Jesus Christ, and whether anybody else minded God, I minded God that night. Oh, I wish we would have people so fond of the shepherd, so hungry, so desirous, so determined to know the Lord Jesus Christ that we wouldn't even be able to get messages completed before they find themselves at an altar of prayer. The members of this sanctified society are good sheep, and good sheep are distinguished by the fact that they are the finding of the shepherd. But my friends, good sheep are also distinguished by fullness. By fullness. Not only by finding, but by fullness. For my Bible here tells me that the good shepherd says that he has come to, that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. And my friends, if you are a genuinely found sheep, it is not going to be long before you are going to be crying out for the fullness of divine life. And if you do not find in your heart a hunger after holiness, then my friends, I am deeply concerned about your life in Jesus Christ. For if you have had life, then you want that life more abundantly. You cannot be satisfied only with life. You want life abundant. And aren't you glad, my friends, that that, that fullness of life is fullness of life by gift? Verse 28 of chapter 10 says that he has given them, I give unto them eternal life. It is life by gift. And it looks as though any of us could receive a gift, my friends. Life by gift. And God wants to give us fullness of life by gift. And he has the gift of the Holy Spirit for us. He has the Holy Spirit for us to come in in his fullness of possession. Let me ask tonight, are you found of the shepherd? And do you have the fullness of life of the shepherd? But you know, my friends, it seems that we have not only fullness of life by gift, but we have fullness of life by what I might call grazing. It says that they shall come in and go out and find pasture. That means, as Psalm 23 says, 
he leads us into green pastures. They tell me that means pastures of tenderness, wonderful, luscious, tender grass. And as we graze in those pastures, this too contributes to our fullness of life. Is it normal that you have a found sheep and a sheep with fullness of life, but that sheep has no desire to feed and to eat and to grow fat? Oh, my friends, that is a contradiction that we could be sheep of the Lord and have no desire to eat and grow fat and be hale and hearty. And oh, there are so many Christians. They have no hunger for the word of God. They have no thirst for the word of God. They're not hungry for the things of God. They can go on and on and on week after week and they never feed. They can go on and on and on. They never get excited by the word of God. They can go on and on and on, but the word of God has no real appeal for them. Oh, my friends, when you know the shepherd, when you've been found by the shepherd and when you have his life, you have a great big spiritual appetite. And you know, even as this feeble servant of the Lord is trying to proclaim the word of God tonight, there are some people with wandering minds. There are some people here, there, and everywhere. They're anywhere else but in this tabernacle. They have no real concern. They have no real passion. They have no real love. They have no real thirst. Oh, God, help us, my friends. I don't know that you ever find a sort of sleeping, dull-eyed looking soul down at the, at the stadium when they're playing ball games. I don't think you find any of them. Every face is intense and the nerves are all taut and people are shouting and crying because they are alive to that sort of thing and they have an appetite for that sort of thing. I wonder if our spiritual appetites have not been destroyed because we have lost his grazing fields. Hear me, my friends. Let's be serious about our relationship with God tonight. Are you a sheep of his finding? Are you a sheep with his fullness? Fullness by gift and fullness by grazing. And not only so, but the members of this society are good sheep. And the good sheep are distinguished not only by finding and by fullness, but the good sheep are distinguished by fellowship. Oh, what a wonderful intimacy of fellowship we have here in this passage. It says in verse 3, that he calleth his own sheep by name. What wonderful fellowship, eh? The dear little lady who fell in one of the rooms today and broke her shoulder has had a long connection with our family and has known new mother way back there and, and was aware of the fact that I was coming to God's Bible school and I came here, didn't know anybody, and, um, you know, felt rather strange. And as I stood with a group of people, I believe it was on a missionary day or a picture-taking day or something, suddenly I heard somebody in the sweetest voice say, Wingrove. 
And when I looked around, it was this dear lady who had known my mother and, and who, at a venture, said, let me try to see whether this is he. How sweet it is! it was to hear my name. My friends, when you are a good sheep, you've got a name. And the shepherd knows your name, and you know your name. And it says here that when he leadeth them out, so that is in the morning. When he leads them out in the morning, there are his calls. Have you ever awakened and the first thing the shepherd called your name? Have you ever gotten awake from sleep after the rest of the night and the moment your eyelids opened, the shepherd called your name and your heart began to turn flip-flops? Come, come, my friends. Come, come, my friends. Has the shepherd ever called your name? And oh, how sweet to hear that voice and to hear that name. Oh, how sweet to know the fellowship with the shepherd. He is calling your name. In the morning, he calls your name. But do you remember that other parable that says the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and when he counts, and, and, and when, when he recognizes, rather, that one is lost, he goes after it until. And I want to suggest to you, my friends, that it is not likely that a shepherd looks at a hundred sheep and knows that one is missing. And I want to suggest to you that you have not only a name, but you have a number. And in the night time, when the sheep come in, it is one, two, three, four, five. And that is how he knew that one of the sheep was missing. Say, friend, I'm talking about fellowship. Have you ever heard the shepherd call your name? And have you ever been uh, conscious of not only his calls, but his counts? Praise the Lord. He counts them. He counts them. Praise the Lord. Are you counted tonight? Are you counted tonight? I'm talking about fellowship with the shepherd. Here is wonderful intimacy. In the morning he calls and in the evening he counts. But there is not only intimacy of fellowship, there is constancy of fellowship. For in verse 4, he says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So all during the day, there is intermittent conversation. Praise the Lord. As you travel to your work, as you go about your duties, as you uh, go about your several employments, you can expect to hear the shepherd speaking to you at any time because of this wonderful fellowship. Praise the Lord. But my friends, I'm talking not only about an intimacy of fellowship and a constancy of fellowship, but I'm talking about what I might call a relevancy of fellowship. Because when we have fellowship with the shepherd, we also have fellowship with other sheep. You can't possibly have fellowship with the shepherd and not have fellowship with the other sheep. There are some people that would like to proclaim that they have fellowship with the shepherd, but they have no fellowship with a fellow sheep. 
Do you know how beautiful this figure, this symbolism of shepherd and sheep, you find it all through the Bible, and in Ezekiel chapter 34, you find this symbol of shepherd and sheep, and there in Ezekiel 34, my Bible seems to indicate that there are sheep that can fight with each other. You ever seen fighting sheep, my brother? Have you ever seen a sheep fight? I wonder if any pastors here tonight have ever seen sheep fighting. And they tell me it is, it is a heartbreaking sight. They don't have hands like human beings to box. They don't seem to be able to kick too effectively. They don't have any horns like goats. So they just back off and then they come together and smash their foreheads on each other. What a pitiful sight, eh, to see fighting sheep? Ever seen a sheep fight? Ever seen a, sh a sheep fuss, a sheep quarrel? Dear Lord, help us. You're looking at me as though I'm a strange person from the Caribbean. I am from the Caribbean, but I don't know that I'm strange. I say I'm saying tonight that Ezekiel 34 talks about sheep that fight. And sheep that muddy the water for other sheep. Oh, God help us, my friends. I tell you, sometimes you can have such unlovely behavior between people that are supposed to be sheep of the same flock of Jesus Christ. God help us, my friends. I tell you what, by the grace of God, I'm not going to be in any sheep fights. It is amazing that some people who call themselves holy, some people who call themselves Christian, it is amazing what attitudes can build up between them and other Christians. And I cannot afford for either my imagination or anything else to cause me to have poor relationship with another sheep. And I believe in the injunctions of the Lord Jesus Christ if I bring my gift to the altar and there I know that my brother hath ought against me, then let me go to my brother and make that right. I believe in the injunction of the, of the word of the Lord Jesus Christ that if there is some uh, thing that might rise to break the fellowship between me and another Christian, I must try to get that thing worked out. What about your relationship with the other sheep, my friends? For fellowship must be not only with the shepherd, but fellowship must be with other sheep. And let me say this, my friends, no sanctified sheep fights. I say sanctified sheep don't fight because they have fellowship not only with the shepherd but fellowship with all the other sheep. And then members of the society are good sheep. Good sheep distinguished not only by finding and fullness and fellowship, but good sheep distinguished by freedom. By freedom. Verse 9 says that they go in and out and find pasture.
They go in and out and find pasture. And that speaks of maturity. You remember David said that he was just a child and he didn't know how to go out and to come in. Do you know that there are some young people you just can't uh, give them the whole run of the house and let them go and come as they please? But when you uh, arrive at a certain maturity, then you can go out and come in. Mature people know when to go. Mature people know when to come. Some people don't know when to go out. They don't know when it's convenient. And they certainly don't seem to know when to come back. But when you are mature, you know how to go out and you know how to come in. To give you spiritual freedom because of your Christian maturity. And there are some sheep that have not arrived at this glorious freedom because they are still immature and you have to tutor them and talk to them and tell them, Oh, thank God, my friends, we can arrive at a spiritual freedom. Praise the Lord. I remember short, shortly after I got saved, a certain holiness church it was too invited me to come to speak to their young people. And uh, I had heard it said, and oh, this, here it says some sort of thing, you know, how, how, how it can destroy us. But whether, whether true or not, I had heard it said that this particular holiness church was rather liberal. And I was afraid to go and speak to their young people. And I made an excuse. I said I would rather not go. But you know, my friends, you can arrive at a spiritual maturity that you can go in and out and find pasture. And I'm not encouraging you, my friends, uh, to engage in this kind of freedom. In fact, God cannot give you this kind of freedom if you have not arrived at a certain maturity. But there is a place that you can get where you can go and you can minister. And what you see and what you hear only confirms you in what you are and what you know and what you experience. Do you lose your moorings because you see somebody else doing something? Do you lose your way because you hear somebody else preaching some other kind of doctrine? Wherever God opens a door for me to preach, I'm going to go in and preach the gospel. And the more I see and the more I hear that deviates from this good old book, the more it confirms me that this good old book is true. I tell you, some of us have such little maturity that God has to tie us up at a little stake somewhere in our little group and we can't move outside of our group and we can't bless somebody else and we can't lift up a testimony to somebody else because we have never arrived at real spiritual freedom. This freedom not only is in maturity, but this freedom is in a great security. You are secure in what you believe. You are secure in what God has done for you. You are secure. And you are marked with a glorious freedom. My heart goes out for people in bondage, you know. I say my heart goes out for people in bondage. You can be a better sheep than that. 
And some people are in bondage to people and in bondage to this and in bondage to the other and in bondage to this group and in bondage to the other group. Oh, my friends, I tell you tonight, on the authority of the word of God, God wants us to be free. God wants us to be free in him. I tell you, if I had to come here and constantly under a, a, a strain and stress that maybe I didn't have quite the right button on my coat or, or quite the right this or quite the right that or I didn't sit quite in the right way, I wouldn't be one of God's good sheep. I might shock you tonight, but do you know I'm free to wear a red tie? I might shock you. But do you know I'm also free to wear a black one? That might shock you too. I'll go, I'll go more. Do you know I'm free to be without a tie? I look at Brother Downing and I say, oh, what a beautiful man. I don't know whoever strung these things around our necks anyway. My friends, God has given me a great big freedom. Hallelujah. And I am so glad that those things are off. And I never want to be maneuvered into bondage. And it is that freedom that helps me. It is that freedom that makes you. Praise the Lord. And you don't have to run after every little thing that the world brings up and society brings up. And you don't have to be running hither and yon, pull behind somebody's rope. You are free in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why some people go out from God's Bible school and after they've gone for a little while they revert is because you've never been free. While you were at God's Bible school, you were only what you were because you were in bondage. You were never free. Lord Jesus, help me. I say, Lord Jesus, help us. I say, if I'd ever say anything else tonight, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to make this point clear. You'd be amazed some people have never gotten freedom. God's good sheep. Are you one of them tonight? God's good sheep, the members of this society are good sheep, distinguished by their finding, by their fullness, by their fellowship, by their freedom, and distinguished by their following. By their following. It says that his sheep know his voice and they follow me. Praise the Lord. They listen to his voice. Chapter 10 and verse 4 seems to indicate that they also love his voice. They not only listen to it, but they love it. As long as he will speak, they love that voice. And they'll follow the shepherd wherever he goes. And you notice what it says here, they'll never follow the stranger. They're afraid of strangers. They run away from strangers. Oh, my heart goes out to many of God's people who seem to follow every little thing and every little person, but good sheep follow the shepherd. Praise the Lord.
Are you good sheep tonight, my friends? And then let me suggest to you that in the Savior's sanctified society, the ministers are good under-shepherds. The ministers are good under-shepherds. And these good under-shepherds are distinguished by the fact that they set a pattern. They set a pattern. Not only do the sheep come in through the door, but they too have entered the door. They set a pattern. They're a pattern for the sheep. They have a genuine experience of the finding of the shepherd and the fullness of the shepherd. They go in at the door. The door is for the shepherd and the door is for the under-shepherds and they are a real pattern for their flock to follow. Isn't it tragic that there are some shepherds that don't set a good pattern? I say, isn't it tragic that some sheep have been damaged and destroyed because some under-shepherd has not set a good pattern for them? Have you ever heard people say, well, my pastor does it. My Bible tells me in the book of Ezekiel that God is going to demote the priests who went astray when the people went astray. That God is going to demote the priests who led the people astray. And there are a lot of people like Aaron who don't seem to be able to stand up and be a pattern for their flock. Many, many preachers are under pressure today. And with the pressures of the time, they have let down and they are no longer good patterns for the flock. But a good under-shepherd is distinguished by his pattern. He's a good pattern for his flock. And they are distinguished by their partnership with the shepherd. Verse 3 says that when they hear his voice, the porter will open the door for the shepherd. And this porter here may be, in a sense, an under-shepherd who opens the door. When the chief shepherd speaks and he hears his voice, he opens the door. He's working along with the good shepherd. And oh, it's a wonderful thing to have a pastor who is working with the good shepherd. It's a wonderful thing to have a pastor who is cooperating with God and cooperating with the Holy Spirit and working with God in the ongoing of the church. Then a good under-shepherd is distinguished by the protection which he provides for the sheep. By the protection. They tell me that these under-shepherds or these shepherds generally, sleepless, far-sighted, weather-beaten men, leaning on their staff, every sheep are being his concern and on his heart, their eyes sweeping the horizon because it is their responsibility to protect the sheep. There are no hireling pastors working only for money. I wonder if you know any hireling pastors working only for money. Some time ago in a certain conference, somebody brought up a resolution and he wanted pastors to get more money because he says if they got more money, they would be more motivated to work in the ministry. I don't find that in my book, my friends. I don't find that in God's Bible. Paul says the love of Christ constrains me. Paul says my Savior constrains me. Not my salary, but my Savior. 
Know that we would have more under-shepherds today who were constrained by the Savior and not constrained by the salary. It's an awful thing, my friends, to get to the place where money begins to take hold of you in the work of the Lord. It's an awful thing when you can't trust God with your support and trust God to be biblically supported. It's an awful thing when materialism gets hold of an under-shepherd and he becomes a hireling shepherd working just for money. But my friends, he is also no Hitler-like shepherd engaged in mastery because the Bible says neither for filthy lucre, nor as lords over God's heritage. Have you ever seen any Hitler-like pastors? It was what they said would go or else. Have you ever seen Hitler-like pastors who are simply some great big towering dictator over their congregation? But that's not the kind of good under-shepherd you will find in the Savior's sanctified society. He's concerned about the protection of his sheep, a holy shepherd concerned about ministry. And the sheep need protection today, my friends. There are enemies coming in from the outside. And according to the word of God in Acts chapter 20, there are also enemies from the inside. And a shepherd has a great responsibility to protect his sheep from danger. The days when I had the joy and privilege of pastoring, I was concerned about the people who came to my pulpit, who were responsible to speak to my sheep. And do you know that even when an evangelist came, I never surrendered my congregation even to the evangelist? And don't misunderstand me. What I mean is that while he was preaching, I was praying. Every word he said passed through my heart, passed through my mind, passed through my soul. Every word he said was a concern of mine because I wanted the best for my sheep. But some poor people's sheep are left exposed to all kinds of things. Are you protecting your sheep, my dear pastor friends tonight? Are you protecting your sheep? If you never see one for a couple of days, do you go and, and look for them? You want to know where they are or are they allowed to be led off here, there and everywhere without your concern? Good under-shepherds protect their sheep. And then good under-shepherds are marked by the fact of their provision for the sheep. You read the word of God and you will see how often it says, feed my sheep. And God knows some sheep get anything but feeding. A lot of fleecing, but sometimes very poor food. Oh, come, come, my friends. As never before the sheep need to be fed. As never before the sheep need the word of God. As never before the sheep need the word of God. For all the stress and strain and change and corruption and confusion of our generation as never before, we need to be under shepherds who study to show ourselves approved unto God and to our people as never before the sheep need to be fed. They tell me that there is a beautiful legend why 
God chose Moses to lead his people Israel. That Moses, when he was caring for the flock of his father-in-law, that there was one of the flock that went away. And after a while, Moses went off to see if he could find this stray lamb or this stray sheep. And he thought uh, within himself that this was a sort of wayward sheep. But he finally found the lost down by a little creek drinking and satisfying his thirst. And suddenly it dawned on him that the sheep went away because it was thirsty, because he wasn't caring for the sheep enough, because he wasn't providing for the sheep, and the sheep wandered away. And it says that Moses, broken-hearted, spoke to the sheep and said, I didn't know you went away because you were thirsty. I didn't know you left the flock because you were thirsty. And he says, now you must be weary. And he put the sheep on his shoulder and took it back to the flock. Say, I wonder if some people have left our church because they're so thirsty. I wonder if some people have gone away because they're so hungry, they haven't been fed, and so here they go. And you don't realize, you say they're wandering sheep, you say they're difficult members, but you don't really come to grips with the fact that they have gone away because they're thirsty and they're hungry. Isn't it a tragedy to go into church Sunday morning and you come out and you just know you haven't been fed? And you go back Sunday night and you haven't been fed. And you go in the midweek and, and hardly any food. Oh, it's a great responsibility, my preacher friend, tonight. The ministers of this society are good under-shepherds. And finally, the master of this society is the good shepherd. Praise the Lord. The master of the society is the good shepherd. And oh, what distinction qualifies him because you know he is the only shepherd. He is the only shepherd. He is the good shepherd and the only shepherd. There is no other shepherd. All the other people who came before him were thieves and robbers and deceivers. He is the true shepherd. He is the good one. He is the only one. Not only is he the only one, he is the lovely one. Because that word good there speaks about his loveliness. Speaks about the holiness which characterizes him. And the beauty which characterizes him. Oh, the distinction of the shepherd. And he's not only marked by distinction. He is marked by dedication. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And you know, they tell me that that expression, laying down the life for the sheep, is not just related to what he did on Calvary. It is related to his leaving heaven. It is related to be his being born in, in the Bethlehem's manger. It is related to his obscurity. It is related to his poverty. It is related to his ministry. It is related to everything he did. He laid down his life for his sheep. In other words, he gave everything that he has. He is giving everything that he has. Nothing is too good to do for the sheep. He's laying down his life for the sheep. And do you know that the word of God says that as he laid down his life for the sheep, so we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Nothing ought to be too good. We ought to be willing to give life itself. 
that other sheep and the brethren might be cared for. Oh, praise God for this wonderful good shepherd, his distinction and his dedication. And what about the defense? They are hireling shepherds that may run off and leave the sheep exposed, but not the good shepherd. Not the good shepherd. They tell me, my friends, that in verse 12, that the hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf come in and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them. They tell me that that word catcheth in verse 12 is the same as the word none shall pluck them out of my hand in verse 28. And you know there are some people that use verse 28 and say see once you are saved you can never uh, be lost. But my friends, he is talking not about sheep being lost. He's talking about no wolf being able to catch you, to pluck you away from his wonderful hand. And in fact, he says, none shall pluck them from my father's hand. So oh, what double keeping here. They're in my hand, they're in, they're in my father's hand. And none shall pluck them out or no wolf, no evil one can snatch them out of my hand. Aren't you glad for such defense, my friend? Tell me tonight, is the good shepherd your shepherd? Tell me tonight, are you a good under-shepherd? Tell me tonight, my friend, are you a good sheep? Are you one of the Savior's sheep? And if so, thank God, there is a glorious day coming. There is a wonderful home. There is a wonderful benediction. As we find in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Where it says now the God of all peace that brought again from the dead. Our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Oh, what a benediction for good sheep. Oh, what a benediction for good under-shepherds. Oh, what a benediction through Jesus, the good shepherd. I wonder where are you tonight, my friends? Are you a good sheep? Is your life marked by his finding, by fullness, by fellowship? Is your life marked by freedom? You can have all of this tonight. And if you aren't, one of his sheep, then you're going to miss it. And I believe that there are many hearts tonight that need to do some serious work with the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't want to